0: We've got Brother Keith Stensis with us and his sweet family. I heard a lot of good things about that ladies' meeting yesterday. And uh, so if you can preach as good as Miss Sally did, you'll we'll be doing good. And uh, she did a great job with our ladies, and I appreciate this family. How long have you been in Uganda? 25 years in Uganda. And I praise the Lord for his ministry, and uh, I, I'm thankful that he's here today. So he's going to share with you what God uh, is doing in their life, their hearts, and the country of Uganda, and he's going to preach the word of God. So you pray for him Mr. tonight. God bless you. Well, I could be wrong, but it just seems to me like y'all are enjoying being in the house of God this morning. Amen. And uh, what a blessing it is to be able to be here. And I echo what your pastor said. Uh, there's nothing like being in the house of God to just uh, just kind of calm you and, and realize that uh, there's a lot more that is important in this world than what's going on around us. Amen. And uh, I, I don't know if your football team won yesterday or not, or I don't know if you're uh, person you voted for this week won or not, I, I, don't know, but, uh, I do know God's still in control and, uh, he is, uh, he's the one that's in charge. Uh, I was, uh, I do a little, uh, podcast and so last night at the hotel I was recording this one and God just really spoke to my heart about something in the book of Genesis when, uh, Moses comes to the Lord and say, he asks the question, what shall I do? and uh he was talking about the people and all the murmuring and the complaining and uh and god just answered with two little words he says go on yeah. amen <laughs> so when you sit there and say what are we going to do go on yeah. amen and uh god's still on the throne he's still worth serving and uh i praise the lord for that and uh, god's word is still truer than ever before and uh, i thank the lord and i'm looking forward with excitement Uh, to see what god has in store for the future we're living in exciting times and uh as as has already been said i'm looking forward to the coming of the lord and uh, his coming is drawing nigh now this church is kind of an unusual church almost every man that i talked to this morning told me to watch out for the other man and uh so i don't know what's going on in this church but uh seems like there's a little bit of uh you know something something going on i don't know what that is but uh Anyway, it's just, it was a blessing this morning to spend some time with some of you men and talking to you and, and uh, getting to know you a little bit, and I love giving uh, people a hard time. I tell Brother Larry, I said, i would never heard about that water bottle joke, and I'm going to practice that on somebody. <laughs> Somebody's going to get that. I don't, I don't know who it is, but uh, anyway, what a blessing. Amen. Uh, well, as Pastor said, we've been serving the Lord in the country of Uganda, East Africa. We're sent out of uh, Capital City Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. And uh, and so we have, uh, I was raised on the mission field, and uh, just to give you a brief, uh, since you've never met me before, I want to give you a brief idea of where we came from. Uh, my father was in the American military, he was in the United States Navy, and uh, just a typical stereotype uh, Navy sailor, uh, rough around the edges, drunk all the time, carousing around, just doing everything that you can imagine, uh that a navy sailor would do traveling around the world and uh, all my all his life uh he was raised in religion but never one time had anyone given him the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh he got stationed in a navy base in Rota Spain and uh in 1973 a man by the name of Eddie Woodfield went to Rota Spain as a missionary and started a church outside of that military base in Rota Spain My dad got stationed there and through one of his drunk buddies getting saved, my father heard the gospel for the very first time because of a missionary who went to the foreign field. And uh, as a result of that, uh, God called my dad to preach and my dad uh, went into missions. And so I grew up uh, in Europe as a missionary kid, serving with my dad and helping my dad in the various ministries. We were in the countries of Spain, uh, Germany, and Italy, uh, helping start churches and uh, then uh, came back to the States for Bible College. And uh, after finishing Bible College, God began working in my heart about missions as well. It had always been a part of my heart, always been a part of my life. And uh, through a series of events, God worked on our heart uh, to go to the country of Uganda, East Africa. And uh, we've been there ever since. And uh, God's uh, really done some wonderful things there. I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, right now, our main emphasis, our first time, our first uh, ministry there was uh, helping, and, and we got a, a Bible college started, we got our main church started uh, in our town, and uh, got a radio station, God allowed us to start a radio station, FM Christian radio station, and uh, broadcasting God's Word 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and uh, just uh, continuing in those ministries, and now we're starting to see those ministries duplicate themselves, And uh, the churches that we started out of our town church, now those churches are starting other churches, and uh, we're seeing uh, people uh, trained in the ministry. Uh, We started what we call the triannual Bible Institute, and uh, one of the things that we are very careful of is uh, helping these men be trained in the Word of God, but uh, a lot of times, uh, missionaries, when they go to foreign fields, they try to take what we do here in America, and they try to fit what we do into what they do, and, and it really defeats the purpose many times. And uh, and so our idea is you go to Bible college, and you've got to go for four years, and when you finish four years, bam, you're qualified. And uh, right, amen, and uh, I, I know that's not true. But uh, anyway, uh, so, so we got over there, and uh, we found out one of the hardest things to do is to help these churches become self-supporting and uh, that's you know that's one thing we want them to do we want them taking care of themselves we want them leading themselves making their own decisions uh, but helping them become self-supporting and uh, now these men these pastors that we're working with uh, they already have their own land they have their farms their goats their uh, pigs their ch- chickens whatever they're doing to earn a living and so the worst thing you could do is uproot them from that and take them somewhere to a college for four years, and then you have to try to transplant them back into the village, having been used to town life for four years. And uh, so what we did was we started the Try Bible Institute, where we bring these guys in for one week modular teaching sessions uh, during the school holidays. Uh, that way their children are able to continue to work on in their farms and their uh, their gardens and things and uh, these men come in for about one week and we train them Monday through Friday 8 in the morning to 5 in the afternoon and uh, Just teaching them training them in the Word of God and we do that three times a year And also it gives them an opportunity to be able to fellowship with one another because transport is expensive They don't get out of their villages very much and so it gives them the opportunity to fellowship And so as of this time uh, we started one Shrine Bible Institute where we are living in Masaka. And then we started one up in the northeastern part of Uganda, and uh, as of the time that I left, uh, we were training about 120 different pastors and men uh, for the ministry and, and helping them with the Word of God. Uh, then, uh, just a couple of years ago, God brought into my path a man by the name of Kasaja Frederick. And uh, Kasaja Frederick, uh, and, and I don't have the time this morning to tell you all the circumstances about how that came to be, but... He came to me he says pastor he says I got saved uh several years ago I got saved 12 years ago and God just put it in my heart to start churches and I didn't know any better I just go out and uh win some souls to Christ and and uh, we would meet under a mango tree and and uh whoever we felt knew more of the Bible than anybody else we said all right you're the pastor and uh and he says I've done that 50 times he says i've got 50 churches up here but he says our pastors know nothing and uh and so we have uh shifted much of our ministry our churches down in the south uh are pretty much on their own they're they're taking care of themselves and uh, so we're going to be shifting a little bit more emphasis in the northeastern part of uganda uh helping to train these men and uh, making sure first of all that they're qualified to be pastors uh but then also training them in the word of god so that they can uh, feed their people in the right way. And, uh, so really pray about that. Uh, my wife is going to be much more involved in our ministry as she had, than she has in the past, uh, because, uh, we have six children and, uh, our oldest son, uh, just about, uh, well, last month got married and so we're excited about that. They're living up north in Ohio, uh, serving the Lord in my brother's church up there. And, uh, and then, uh, I've got a, my second son is in Bible college and I've got two more children that I dropped off in our Bible college in Austin. So now we're down to two. All right. And uh, two is a little more manageable with homeschooling than four and six. And uh, so we're going to be taking them with us in a lot of our traveling. My wife is going to be much more involved in teaching the ladies, the pastor's wives. Uh, that is lacking very much there. Uh, many times the emphasis is spent on the men, but no emphasis is spent on ladies and uh, so we're going to be doing that as well. So a lot of things I could tell you. God has opened up so many doors. Uh, I, I told you about the FM radio station. We've been operating that station for 20 years now. And uh, just this past year, uh, the Ugandan government in June passed some laws uh, regarding their communications commission uh, that made it impossible for our radio station to continue. And uh, so this past August, we had to make the decision uh, to close the FM station uh, basically, and again, uh, you want to you want to understand what socialism is all about. We can tell you, and uh, and what they're wanting to do. The government is saying, hey, uh, if you want to have a radio station, that's fine, but we're going to put our editor in your radio station to approve everything that goes on the air, and uh, and so we just could not do that. And uh, not only that, but they were requiring us to. Uh, we could no longer operate as a ministry, uh, we had to operate as a business, and uh, that's not what God sent us over there for. So, uh, Word of Life Radio, which was our radio station, is going to be transformed into Uganda Baptist Radio, because I believe that God gave us all that equipment, and God gave us all those hours, literally thousands of hours of preaching in the local languages for a purpose, and uh, so we're going to take it online. And uh, we're going to start uh, Uganda Baptist Radio, and it's going to be on the internet, And uh, not only will we be able to reach the Ugandans in our locality there, uh, but uh, theoretically all the Ugandans in the capital city, the Ugandans in uh, all over Uganda, all over the Middle East and Europe where they're working and uh, literally all over the world. And So we're in the process right now of uh, getting all of that edited. Uh, Even uh, last night, I finished editing uh, a lot of the music that's gonna be uh, going on that uh, radio station. So pray for us in that transition. Uh, as we get that going. Uh, I just want to use every opportunity we can in the time that we have left to reach people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, and the time is short and I believe he's coming soon and we've got to be busy about the master's business. And so uh, any other questions you have for us, uh, again, we'll be here uh, today and uh, you feel free to talk. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about our ministry, and what the Lord is doing there. If you have any questions about our family or uh, specifics about the ministry. If you've not already done so, I would encourage you to get one of our prayer cards. It's on the back table back there. And uh, on our prayer card is our website. And uh, on our website is uh, li- really all the information about our country, our ministries, what we're doing there. Also is our furlough video uh, that we show when we go around. And uh, we didn't have the time this morning to show that, and that's okay. But you can go right online and uh, look that up, and you can watch that and uh, get a uh, an actual vision or view of what God is doing there uh, in the country of Uganda. Pray for us if you would. We uh, The country opened up its borders uh, October the 1st, and so we bought our tickets to return uh, January the 26th. And uh, so there's two requests that I'd ask you to pray for. Number one is pray uh, that God will keep the borders open. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen the next few months, all right? And uh, so just pray and pray, pray that God will keep those borders open so we can get back in there. And then secondly, uh, pray. The only requirement they're making of us is we have to present a, a within 72-hour uh, COVID, negative COVID test uh, to the airport when we leave. And uh, so you understand that you're buying thousands of dollars of tickets, packing all your luggage, planning all of this. And everything hinges on a test you have to get the day before you fly out. And uh, so please pray for us about that. Uh, The Lord has protected our family so well. We've uh, literally uh, traveled over 20,000 miles on this furlough, coast to coast, church after church after church. And uh, God has protected us, and I believe he will continue uh, to protect us. But pray that uh, when we get those tests, uh, that uh, they will come back negative so nothing will hinder us. Uh, from getting back into the country. Amen? Well, let's go into the Bible today. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings and chapter number 17. Thank you so much for the accommodations, the the beautiful room. Thank you, ladies, for uh, allowing my wife to uh, be a part of your luncheon yesterday. And uh, it was a blessing. I don't know who it was that uh, cooked the South African dish but uh, that's one of my favorite dishes, and uh, just happened to bring that home to the hotel last night, and uh, I enjoyed that so very, very much. And uh, but uh, anyway, Second Corinthians or Second Kings, chapter seventeen. And if you're able to, let's stand in honor of God's word as we read our text uh, this morning. Second Kings, chapter seventeen, and notice in verse number twenty. Second Kings, seventeen, and verse number twenty, and the Lord. "...rejected all the seed of Israel, and afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of spoilers, until he cast them out of his sight. For he rent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king, and Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord, and made made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did, they departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight." as he is said by all his servants, the prophets. So was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cuthah and from Ava and from Hamath and from Zepharavim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. They possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore, they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore, he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slayed them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Let's pray. Father, I pray you help us this morning. Father, I pray most importantly, if there's one person here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray this morning they'd make that decision to come to Christ Lord, it's free, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that they would make that decision. Lord, I pray for us as believers, those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, I pray, Lord, that we will serve you and give our hearts and lives and, and literally, Lord, commit ourselves in every way possible in these last days to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, uh, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Uh, Jeroboam uh, took the northern kingdom of Israel. Rehoboam took the southern kingdom of uh, Judah. And uh, all through the times of the kings, through the times of the prophets, you find that uh, the northern kingdom of Israel had many, many different kings, and not one of those kings wanted anything to do with God. The Bible says they all followed in the ways of Jeroboam. There was literally no light in the leadership. There was no inclination of any of the leadership to have anything to do with God, to have anything to do with his word. In the southern kingdom, it was a little bit different. Uh, uh, They had their bad kings, but they also had their good kings, and they had their times of revival, and they had their times when the light of God's word sprang forth and and people repented, and people did what was right. But I believe with all my heart that there reaches a point where God's mercy reaches an end. And God says, that's enough. And God says, that's it. I've extended to you mercy. I have sent my word. I have sent my prophets. I have sent my men. And you have rejected, you have uh, shook your fist in my face one too many times. And finally, God said, that's enough. And so we find here in Second Kings 17, we find this point where God says, that's it. Israel, I've had enough. I have rejected you and I am turning you over to the Assyrians. Now, the difference with what happened with Judah is God was because of the uh, the, the, the goodness that was in Judah and because there was some people that chose to follow God, there was, there was a remnant there in Judah that had a desire to serve God. And so when Babylon came and captured and took over Judah, God says, I'm going to, uh, send you into captivity for 70 years and then I'm going to bring you back into your land. But that's not the way it was with Israel. God allowed Israel to literally be annihilated. They were totally taken over. They were totally destroyed. The Bible says here that he rent Israel from the house of David. The Bible says uh, the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. It's gone. It's not there. And the Bible says he carried Israel to the land of Assyria to this day. Now, here's what happened. In Bible times, my wife and I had the opportunity on our 25th anniversary to go to Israel. And uh, as we were traveling through Israel, we uh, the, our guide would take us to these various places and he would show us how that uh, in, in Bible times, the custom was that when you uh, overtook a land, when you destroyed a nation, uh, it was uh, in order to make sure that that nation did not come back, in order to make sure that that nation did not rise again, they would wipe that nation clean and they would bring in their own people to settle in that land. Now, because of God's providence, he did not do that with the Babylon. Uh, the Nebuchadnezzar allowed Israel to continue to live in that land and that's why they had a land to come back to. But when Assyria took over uh, uh, Israel, when Syria took over Samaria... Notice what the Bible says that they did here. The Bible says in verse number 24, And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, Cuthen, Ava from Hamath, from Zep- Zepharthim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. So in doing this, you're going to wipe out their culture. You're going to wipe out their language. You're going to wipe out their traditions. You're going to wipe out everything that they believe. And so Assyria has settled within Israel and has taken over Israel and now they have possessed Samaria and now they're dwelling in the cities of Samaria. But then something very interesting happens and here's where the story kind of takes some interesting turns here. The Bible says in verse number 25, and so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Now, I underline that passage there because I ask myself the question, why would we expect them to? These are Gentiles. These are heathen. These are pagans. These are people that have nothing to do with God. And and yet the Bible makes a specific uh, emphasis of noting here that in taking over these cities and in dwelling in these cities, they feared not the Lord. And so what happened? Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them which slew some of them. I don't know about you, but that that makes no sense to me. Why would God send lions into a people to to attack them and to kill them for fearing not the Lord when none of us would expect them to fear the Lord? None of of us would expect them to worship God. They were brought in from heathen lands. But here's what I I want you to understand. When you you study the book of Jeremiah, and you study the book of Isaiah, especially the book of Ezekiel, and you study these prophets, he said, listen, uh, when God brought judgment upon the heathen nations, when God brought judgment upon uh, Babylon and upon Assyria and upon Edom and upon Moab and all these heathen nations when God brought judgment upon them he gave the reason for bringing that judgment over and over and over the Bible says and they shall know that I am the Lord God was reminding them and saying listen I want you to understand I am sovereign I am allowing this to happen But I'm just reminding you of one thing, I am the Lord. And though you have, though I am using you as a tool to bring judgment upon my people, and I'm using you as an instrument to bring judgment upon my people, you will know that I am the Lord. Wherefore, verse number 26, they spake to the king of Assyria saying, the nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Wow, that's interesting. Hey, uh, these people you brought in, they don't know the manner of the God of the land. Well, what's interesting is neither did Israel what that was before them. They didn't know it either and God sent them into captivity and now these new people are coming in and they know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Isn't it interesting that these pagan heathen understood why judgment was there and Israel never did? They understood why the lions were coming. They understood why this was happening. And so they said, hey, we need to bring someone in here who understands the manner of the God of the land, verse twenty-seven. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, "Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land." He says, "I want you to uh, all, all, all these people that uh, were here. Uh, I want you to find a priest, and I want you to uh, get that priest, and I want you to bring him back." And so that way He can teach them the manner of the God of the land. Now, here's my question though. There were no godly priests in Israel. Everything was about Worshipping Baal, everything was about worshiping the calves at Dan and, 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 uh, and, and Bethel. Everything was about idolatrous worship. There was no priest to teach them the manner of the God of the land. And, and so the Bible says, he says, Let, let's go bring one of the priests and let's teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Now that's interesting. He says, alright, I'm going to come in and I'm going to teach you how to fear God. Alright, let's see how well that worked. Verse number 29. How be it? Every nation made gods of their own, and put them in the houses of the high places, which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Sukobinoth, and the men of Kuth made Nergal, and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burnt their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharabim. So they feared the Lord, and made unto themselves the lowest of them priests in the high places, which sacrificed in them the houses of the high places, They feared the Lord and served their own gods. How is that possible? How is it possible to fear the Lord and yet worship and literally have a religion that promotes the sacrifice of children? That promotes idolatry? That, that promotes everything that is against God, everything that is against the, the worship of Jehovah God, all of these different gods that they came in. So you have this priest coming in and he's teaching them, all right, this is how you should fear the Lord. Well, how did they fear the Lord? The Bible says in verse 3, so they feared the Lord and made themselves of the lowest of them priests in the high places. They feared the Lord, the Lord and their own, served their own gods. I can ask you a question what happened there? Why, how can you fear the Lord and serve your own gods? And as I began reading this passage and I begin putting this all together, I, I, I learned something that just really shook me up for just a little bit as I was studying this, and I begin to understand how you can fear the Lord and serve your own gods. You see, the problem was. These people wanted just enough God to keep the lions away. Just enough God to keep the lions away. They they didn't want to forsake their idols. They didn't want to forsake their traditions. They didn't want to forsake their sacrificing of children. They didn't want to forsake all these things, but... There's a problem there. God's sending lions and and we want to understand that he is God. So let's bring in this priest and he's going to teach us how to fear the Lord. And so he taught us that, listen, if we just go just enough, if we if we reach this level in our worship of God, we can still keep everything else and everyone is just as happy as we want to be. May I say today that as I look across our country, the United States of America, I believe with all of my heart that is the attitude of most people and churches across our land. Give us just enough God to put the president we want in there. Give us just enough God to send the virus away. Give us just enough God to fight against the terrorists that bomb our cities. Give us just enough, God, to make sure that our 401Ks are still uh, where they're supposed to be. But let me live my life the way I want to live. Let me make the decisions in my life that I want to make because, after all, it's my life. And so we worship God with this facade. We carry our Bibles with us. We go to church and we let people know, hey, I fear God. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we live our life as a pagan. Look at what we watch. Look at what we do on the Internet. Look at the books that we read. We, we, we spend more time watching Fox News than we do getting in God's Word. And I, I'm just saying today, listen, I, I'm just saying today, if, if we're going to fear God, if we're going to follow His commands, it means a leaving behind of everything in our life, it, uh, our culture, our belief system, everything that we've stood for. It is a turning a, our back on the world, and it is grabbing on and serving Christ with all of our hearts. Now to do that, we have to understand what the manner of the God of the land is. Because that was the whole point, wasn't it? He's sending these lions, he's sending these uh, these people, or the, these lions to destroy them because they were not following the manner of the God of the land. And this priest was supposed to come in and teach them the manner of the God of the land. But they only wanted just enough of the God to keep the lions out. So what is the manner of the God of the land? Well, the Bible says in verse 34, unto this day they do after their former manners. They fear not the Lord. This was the reality. They were saying they feared God and worshiped their own idols, but the reality of it, they fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes or after their ordinances or after the law and the commandment which the Lord commanded the children of Israel, whom He named Israel. He says, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about what the manner of the God of the land is. Notice, first of all, verse number 35, with whom the Lord hath made a covenant and charged them, saying ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them, but the Lord, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt with great power and a stretched out arm, him shall ye fear, and him shall ye worship, and to him shall ye do sacrifice. May I say, first of all, that the manner the God of the land requires you to worship, honor, and sacrifice to Jehovah alone. We do not serve other gods. Nothing should come before uh, before uh, our God. Is serving our God. We we understand that He is the Creator, and and we understand that He is in absolute control. He is the sovereign one. He is in charge of everything. This morning, as I was walking. When I walk I, I, I that's my time to pray and, and and just you know, you ever you ever just say, Lord, I, I don't know why and I don't know how and I don't know what's going on, but God just help me to have your peace. Help me to go on. Help me to realize, God, you are Jehovah. And and just because things happen in, in my life and in my culture and my government that I may not like, I still serve one God. I, I, I like what your pastors or what Brother Larry said this morning that we live in the greatest land in this world. As bad as it is and as wicked as it is, and, and truthfully, I don't even know if we can even continue to call it a Christian nation. But I've been all over this world, and I'm telling you, we still live in the greatest land. May God help us to take advantage and not just sit back on our laurels and do nothing, but may we stand up and say, hey, uh, with the freedom and the remaining freedoms that we have, we are going to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. He is the God. I do not not worship the government. I don't worship its handouts. I don't worship the people that are involved in it. I worship God. I don't follow men. I worship God. I thank God for my pastor. I love my pastor to death, but I don't worship him. I have one God. That's the manner of the God. They were bringing all their gods, all their different God for each land, but there's only one God. Notice the next verse, we're continuing, looking. look at the second thing, verse 37. And the statutes and the ordinances and the law and the commandment which he wrote for you, ye shall observe to do forever, ye shall not fear other gods. May I say number two, the manner of the God of the land is that you take this book and not just carry it, but you obey it. This is the mind of God. This is how we understand what God wants us to understand about Him. This is how we understand what is true. People are saying, well, you know, you just you shouldn't get involved in politics and you shouldn't talk about those things. No, well, maybe uh, maybe if you don't want to mention the names or whatever, that's fine. But when you preach truth, people know who you're talking about. Because truth is absolute. It's not how you feel one day and, and the next. Truth is absolute. And, and you and I, we have a book that is in front of us that we can read every day and we can study and we can meditate. And not only that, but the very author of this book uh, indwells us and lives within us and has sealed us until the day of redemption and, and He is there to teach us and He's there to comfort us and He's there to show us exactly what we need for that particular day. Hey, listen, I thank God that the manner of the God says, get back to the book. Don't leave off the book. Memorize it, study it, meditate upon it, read it, uh, let it be a part of your life. Because that's the manner of the God of the Lamb. God's manner, he, God doesn't speak as He did in the Old Testament as far as coming down and physically talking to people. But He says, hey, my manner is this. I'm going to give you commandments and I'm going to give you statutes. I'm going to give you ordinances. And you are expected to obey them. I'm so thankful that we have a book that keeps us anchored down in this world of storms amen i'm so thankful for that i'm so thankful that we can get above all the chaos of what's going on in our world today and we can get into God's word and 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 clothe ourselves with his promises and realize that it's all going to be just fine verse 38 and the covenant that i've made with you ye shall not forget neither shall ye fear other god the manner of the God of the land is this: you can trust the promises of God. I made a covenant with you, and that covenant will be kept. Listen as we read God's word, and you, we we could have each person here stand up and and declare a promise of God that is in His word, and 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 those promises are what keeps us stable. Those promises are what gives us hope. Those promises are what gives us a future. Thank God for the promises of God. We don't have to wonder about the future. I've read the end of the book. I know how it ends. We are victorious. I I didn't say we will be. I said we are victorious. And I'm so glad that while the world is fretting and wondering and twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out what to do, I thank God that God gave us his promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I have prepared a place for you. I will come again. I'll give you eternal life. Man, thank God for that. The manner of a God. Why why would why would you, you you look at the culture that we live in today, the the culture that is that it, it is anti-marriage, it is anti-God, it is anti-life, it is anti-everything that God's Word stands for. And they look at us and say, we're crazy. I look at my, my six children. All of my six children are serving the Lord. All of my six children love the Lord. I... I why would I want what they want? And yet you look at these people here and, and they have on one side, hey, we can follow the man or the God of the land, or we can follow our gods, and uh and so, hey, on one side, let's let's follow the God just to keep the lions away, but but let's follow our gods so we can continue in our pleasure and doing what we want to do. So let's try to mix them together, and what you have is humanism where man becomes God. Man becomes God. So we have the promises of God. But then notice lastly, the manner of the God of the land, verse number 39. But the Lord your God, ye shall fear, He shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. The manner of the God of the land is is to trust in Him for His deliverance his protection his deliverance and his protection people have been talking the last few months about this COVID-19 virus as if all of a sudden viruses have come into being can I take you to Uganda where we live around that 24 hours a day We've had, in Uganda this year, we've had just a little over 100 people die of what they are calling this COVID-19 virus. We've had 2,500 people die of Ebola. We have thousands and thousands dying of malaria, yellow fever, hepatitis. We live around that all the time. You say, well, Brother Keith, you've been there 25 years, what do you do? Let me tell you a secret. Wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer. And you live life. You live life. You trust the Lord. Amen. I'm just saying, guys, we have allowed a mentality in our minds that says, hey, Uh, we cannot trust the Lord to protect us and we cannot trust the Lord to deliver us. And so we have drawn ourselves in like a cocoon exactly where Satan wants us to be. How many conferences have been shut down this year? How many VBSs have been shut down this year? How many camps have been shut down this year? God says, I am your protection. I am your deliverance. I might get sick. Yep. When does that ever change? I might die. But when does that ever change the fact that we've got to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? You don't see social distancing in the Great Commission. You preach the Gospel to every creature. Do you really trust this God to deliver you? Or are you going to say, I follow God and I'll follow Him just to keep God happy but you know, I really have to follow the government too. And I've got the government to protect me and I have to have the government to watch over my life and have the government to provide for my needs. I'm just saying here, God's people listen to me and I, I'm not trying to be smart. I, I, listen, I realize there are people that need to be careful. But I'm just saying today, there is a man of the God of the land. And you and I need to follow it more than 100%. He is God. He has given us His Word. He has given us His promises. And He has promised us deliverance. So who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to go after? Who are you going to trust? You going to try to hold on to both of them? That's not fair of the Lord. Fear in the Lord is forsaking and turn your back on everything the world has to offer. And say, God, I am here to follow the manner of the God of the Lamb. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed? Everyone standing with your heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning, I don't know how God has spoken to your heart. Maybe there's someone here today you say, Brother Keith, the fact of the matter is I've never... Trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never been born again. But this morning, I would like to be saved. This morning, I would like to make that decision to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that is you, then I would encourage you, as we have the pianist play in just a moment, when she plays, would you just step out from your pew, your seat there, and just come and take your preacher by the hand and say, Pastor, I've never been saved. But this morning, I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe there's someone here today, you know you're saved, you know you're born again. Let me ask you a question. Are you following after the manner of the God of the Lamb? Or are you just here to be religious enough to keep the lions away? If I just become religious, if I just come to church, maybe God will solve my problems. Maybe maybe God will give me a job, or maybe God will do this, and God will do that. Let me tell you something. That's not the way God works. God wants you to fear Him with all your heart and all your soul. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, I'm going to ask the piano to play. And as she plays, if God spoke to your heart. I don't know how the Holy Spirit has worked on your heart, but maybe you need to come this morning and do business with God. Father, I pray you help us this morning. Lord, that we would determine our hearts more than anything else, that we would follow after and obey the manner of the God of the land. Help us, Lord, not to just hold on to religion or hold on to our Bible and hold on to this church just to keep lines away, just to solve some of our problems. But Father, may we commit ourselves to following the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Help us, Father, I pray.